We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. JM, thank you for the Superchat contribution. I'm fascinated with New Orleans' cap sheet. Doubt it's a deadline fit with the Knicks, but feel like they have way too many guys making too much money for a historically cheap team. Anything you see with them and the Knicks. Pelicans, for those who maybe haven't been following, have been quite good for the last few weeks. I think if they were to make a move, it would really just be with Valanchunas. There are other things that they could force down the line, say this summer, but nothing that they have to address immediately. You know, if Ingram decides, I don't want to be here, there's no reason for them to move him right now. They could just play it out and see how it goes. There are a lot of players making money, but it's worth mentioning, too, that the cap will rise. I'm curious if they plan on dumping that CJ contract. Nick should have no part in that, not advising that. But the sort of mindset of if they need to get rid of money and if they had excess picks and that was their only way of doing it, they could do that. I don't think they don't strike me as the best trade partner. And while I say that, I'm just going to pull pull up their um, their multi year cap that uh, is available online. I mean, yeah, we talked about CJ. It's a really tough contract to eat. There's still two years left of a 100 million dollar deal. Zion, of course, don't see him going anywhere right now. Same with Ingram. Valanciunas is a free agent, so they might. I mean, he's extension eligible, doesn't have an extension. So my guess is they'll look for some sort of upgrade there. We'll see. Herb Jones, fantastic defender. Don't see him moving. Larry Nance Jr. is an expiring contract next summer. He's been hurt quite a bit. That 11.2 isn't the kindest to move, but could always find some way of doing it. And then, you know, it's Dyson Daniels, who I would be surprised they moved unless it were a consolidation trade to get them superior talent. Uh, Kirlos Jr., he's going to be gone at the end of the year. Hawkins, they've just acquired. Trey Murphy, the third, is extension eligible this summer. So they don't strike me as a great fit with the Knicks. I think, if anything, they'll look for that center. And the Knicks don't have a center to spare at this point. So uh, it'll be. I'm interested in seeing what direction the Pelicans go if they decide to rock with Valanciunas. If they say, hey, we'll do something different and go with Capella, even though I don't know if he's the best fit next to Zion. It'll be interesting either way. But yeah, I don't think they're the best fit, Jay, unfortunately. But thank you for the question. Duran Visual Variant. Thank you. Uh, I feel like a Jeremy Grant or Mikhail Bridges type of player would fit this roster perfectly. Is there anyone out there available in that mold? So let's take it back. Mikhail Bridges certainly... I know we're not analyzing the players themselves. It's really the archetype. There aren't a ton of guys that are like that. And those are two different players, to be clear. Grant is more of a Randall version, and Bridges is certainly less so. So they are two different types of players. But, I mean, McCall, the, McCall Bridges, the issue there is you have that archetype, and that player doesn't get traded very often. Like, we saw what it costs to get OG Ananobi, and... It was a lot. The best versions of these three and D type guys who are match up well on defense and can guard wings. They don't come around often. 
And for Grant, they come around more often than not. I, I think Grant has this strong reputation as being a a very good defender. And the numbers don't grade out quite like that. He's usually used more as a helper. So I think he's coasted a little bit off of who that is. And I think if we watched Grant every night or that a player like Grant, we would probably not love that player. So, I mean, to me, it's just get a primary ball handler this this deadline, maybe add to the wing if you're moving Grimes, and then look for a star this summer. Uh, and I think that it doesn't take much away from those types of players. I mean, those are those are nice pieces to have. It's just they don't really advance the plot that much further than we need it to. Um, and again, Bridges is I just don't see him going anywhere, let alone to the Knicks. I think they're going to keep trying to upgrade the roster in some capacity. So I don't know if they would fit perfectly. Bridges is obviously a better player than Grant, but uh, not a ton of guys. I mean, Kuzma maybe. But again, I, I don't... Yeah, it's a nice descending contract. That could help if you have tax issues. Other than that, I, like I, but you'd have to do a three-team deal that gets you... Randall out, and I just don't see them doing that this season. It'd have to be a summer conversation, which it very well might be. We'll see. Thank you. Gary Hartman, thank you for the Super Chat contribution as well. Personal preference between Brogdon, Jazz Guys, Murray, or others. Your Murray case is future trade ship makes sense, but bad fit, in my opinion. Brogdon for me. Yeah, I'd say my order is Brogdon, Clarkson, if you're going to try to make a large trade this year. Murray Sexton. And if you're trying to make a trade in the next calendar year, Brogdon, Murray, Sexton, Clarkson. Uh, as for others, there really aren't a bunch of guys that pass the smell test quite in the same way that fit what you need, but also fit what you need on the court. So it's when you add all of it up, it's there are some candidates for sure. And I know Fred listed a lot of them in his article. I just don't know how many of them really makes sense with what they're doing. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, but those that that's the order for me based on when they'd be traded. Harrison Rich, thoughts on Rozier? In my opinion, can play with or without Brunt, uh, JB. Has nearly identical measurements to IQ. Elite pull-up shooting contract is great for salary matching. Another player whose defense has just not gotten the reputation that it needs, and that could just be because he was in a small market. Could be because he was drafted by... Danny Ainge, he's he is the same height as IQ, but IQ also is so good defensively that I just don't see Rozier having a ton of options uh, in this Tib system. Like again, it, similar to the Simons conversation. Like yeah, his, his offense this year has been very good. Don't get me wrong, but is the defense going to hold out? Because if it's been bad year after year, you get to the playoffs, you get uh, weaknesses get exposed even more. That's a problem. That's it doesn't really work for what they're doing. So it's also, yes, a contract that's great for salary matching, but do you want multiple years of 20 plus million dollars for Terry Rozier? And I don't think that teams necessarily do. With Brogdon, it's one more year. With Murray, the appeal is, well, it's multiple years, but this guy's pretty good and he might fit what you're doing. That was what the hope would be if he were traded the Knicks and then maybe he doesn't go to the, uh, the 76ers or the Cavs or insert team with star that is disgruntled here. Uh, maybe you can do a three-team deal where he goes to the Lakers. But that depends on the Lakers not finding someone and waiting on him and all of the stars aligning in that way. So with Rozier, it's just contractually, it doesn't help defensively. He's poor. It doesn't... He might fit in terms of stature and pull-up shooting as IQ, but he's, I don't know, it's, it's like gold versus fool's gold kind of thing to me between the two of those players. Anthony Wong, uh, appreciate Super Chat contribution here. What about a vet minimum for Isaiah Thomas? I'm convinced that would help our second unit on offense. I am not convinced, Anthony. I will be honest in that I think getting a five foot nine player who's been out of the league hip injuries knocking out if he were that helpful he would have already been rostered i wish him well i don't wish him ill or anything of the sort i just don't think that he's the guy who especially with jalen brunson 
you're going to want to get significant minutes out of. He's a he's a good scorer, at least he was when he was healthy. It's harder, and the league gets larger and larger. It's it has over the case. We don't see Muggsy Bogues type because players are bigger than they were. And in it's case, I just don't think that there's much there for him. I think he's. I mean, they'd have to be really desperate. I mean, really desperate. Like all the other players that they've called suddenly drop their phones and can't be reachable. I'd rather have Flynn there and I'm not even the biggest Flynn fan. I don't even think the Knicks are the biggest Flynn fan. I think they would move him and the opportunity to present itself. So yeah, unfortunately I don't see it as quite the same option with helping the second unit. Chris Kastner, Jeremy, are you projecting Yucca Bytus to either come across the pond and be our backup point guard or will he be better used as a sweetener in a trade? I maintain that I feel he would be here. You need cheap depth. The Knicks need cheap depth, especially if they go forth and land a big star this summer. You know, using him in a sign and trade, the draft rights, yeah, it's it's free, right? You don't have to match salary, so it's a sweetener, but his value isn't it's a it's it's ethereal. It's not something that's really tangible right now because he hasn't played in the NBA. So is he better suited on this Knicks team, say next year, when they need cheap players or as a throw-in for a trade to get someone like Brogdon or Clarkson or someone else. To me, it's the former. It's not the latter. Getting those guys, you can find a way to get them without including Rokas. And we're talking about a six-foot-five point guard who has not played at the NBA level, but who has done well in Europe for one of the, I mean, the best league outside of the United States. And it's just something that you may need from him, especially the pull-up ability. So that's why I would go in the direction of stick with Rokas, bring him over, especially if you need that extra cheap depth. Zach Halovich. Is it crazy to think Grimes better than Hart, better defender and shooter? Would rather get a creator that doesn't involve dealing Grimes, extend Grimes, shouldn't be too high, use Hart for matching salary this summer. Lots taken. Okay. Oh, thank you, Zach. The first, let's start with the matching with Hart. I know Hart is underperforming, all things considered. But realistically speaking, I just don't see them moving a Villanova guy before they're able to do more. I'm curious if injuries are a factor. I'm not saying that's an excuse. If they are, I'm just more curious than anything. He was listed with a knee injury today, but it could very easily be new. Extending Grimes. I agree. Grimes being extended shouldn't be too high, but there's an opportunity cost, which is the Knicks have other salaries on the books. They've got other people they have to pay. They've got more pressing needs and aspirations than Grimes. So if they paid Grimes, you know, extended him and his contracts on the books and all of that, that's great. But what happens if a star trade comes along and they're above the tax apron? And now it's harder to match salaries. And that's an issue. And having Grimes here, well, you avoid having to pay him entirely. And you can consolidate on really like seven or eight guys and then two to three players who are earning very little money. And that would be the appeal. And having Brunson, DiVincenzo, Ananobi, Randall, Hartenstein next year. Um, let's say again, they don't imagine they don't make any other trades. Uh, Mitch, let's, I mean, they could, Mitch could start at Hartenstein. We're, splitting hairs, but you get the point. And Hart, that's seven players that the Knicks would have on double-digit contracts. And then you throw in any point guard that they would get using the Fournier salary slot. Now they're up to eight. And they've got Deuce. And they've got two first-round picks, which again, don't expect, but bear with me. That's a lot of guys that are earning big money. And I haven't even talked about Grimes. So then they bring Grimes into the fold. And a year later, now if they've, you know, the way it's working, maybe they have nine players earning that much money. There needs to be consolidation, but they can't really consolidate with ease because they're probably over the tax apron, which makes matching salary more convoluted. So it's really more about kind of cutting to the chase. Okay, we know that we're not going to be able to pay him. So we probably should move him. It's just a matter of when they want to move him and fielding the right offer. Feeling like, do we get a better return on our investment now? Or this summer, can that player help us get someone good in the present, someone better in the future, or a combination of the two? 
So it's really just leveraging his value and his defense is very good. I mean, Hart last season was a better defender than Grimes, in my opinion. The difference is Grimes took on probably tougher assignments and not probably he did take on tougher assignments, but they different roles. And that's where it is where Hart is not going to be your catch and shoot three point type player. And he probably should. I mean, you need that type of characteristic and it's why him consistently playing the two doesn't make sense to me. Why Tibbs is not playing DiVincenzo and Grimes more minutes. I I understand his concern about height. I don't agree with it. I, I think there needs to be more there. There should be more time into the fold. He's playing to his favorites, and I think that could easily hurt him. So I I don't disagree in terms of, depending on what you're looking for, where Grimes could be a better option than Hart. But Hart is also playing poorly enough that I think it's changing how we view him. But on the flip side, he played at a level that was just not sustainable last year. So comparing that to Grimes might not be the best version either. In the end, it's politics. I mean, capitals, everything around me, but politics also has a very large influence and the politics here. It's a Villanova team and they're going to keep Jalen Brunson happy and they want to keep Jalen Brunson happy while building a contender and using their assets to get someone different. And it just so happens that Grimes is on the short end of the stick. At least that's the way I see it. Uh, thank you, Zach. Jason M. Do you think Grimes will be traded for a point guard slash playmaker or at a separate deal for draft capital? I still think it could be both. You know, I mean, there's nothing stopping the Knicks from doing Grimes, Fournier, and a future protected pick for Clarkson and one of the unprotected picks in that draft, right? Like, do I think that they could move the Pistons pick and get back, say, like, a Cavs 2027 unprotected pick. Maybe, maybe not. But it's more like, how can you add so much value that the Jazz are like, you know what? That's actually consummate to how we view an unprotected pick with this team based on the direction they'd go. Maybe it's, okay, well, uh, it's the lesser of the three unprotected picks that we have, and we get a protected pick, so it's not just Grimes for an unprotected pick and Clarkson. You're adding more to it to help you in that sense. Uh, so... They just need to be creative about it. The Knicks have been very creative in the past. I would actually say they are among the most creative, if not the most creative front offices in the NBA, which I say that knowing before this one, they were one of the least creative possible. Uh, so that's kind of the direction I see it where I they're going. At least I would gather they're trying to accomplish both of these things that you're laying out, Jason, but they might need to package in something else to really get that over to the finish line. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dirty Dancer. Has McBride played too well to be traded for fodder in July? When the Knicks signed Deuce McBride prior to the new year, the very first thought that I had was, well, Deuce McBride signed a $13 million one-way ticket out of New York. Congrats to him. Get that money, but that's the consideration. And then shortly before he like started to take off, but he, he like had just started to like get to that point. I was like, that was a nice juice game. It dawned on me. It was like, well, the way that I had thought about it before was deuce is gone. 
But then considering the Grimes financial aspect that I've talked about in the future, and that the Knicks have other salary on the books and Grimes' contract is descending, excuse that uh, McBride's contract is descending and it's super cheap and you need cheap depth. Maybe they aren't going to do it. Maybe they are going to actually keep Deuce long-term or at least past this year. And Grimes is the guy who's on the chopping block. And now Grimes is potentially on the chopping block this uh, trade deadline. So uh, to answer your question, Dirty Dancer, no, I think it's very possible that the Knicks said, we'll play our cards right. We'll, we'll see who is available, who we want to trade and go from there. But now I just think it's, no, they're committed to Deuce for at least the next couple of years. And that can always change depending on who else becomes available and what they want to do. But based on how they're operating, I mean, keep them. You need cheap depth. And Tibbs doesn't really trust rookies. So you want players who are ready. And if it took McBride over two seasons to have growing pains, it could very easily take rookies uh, that long too. I don't know if the Knicks have quite that long in order to get to where they need to be. So if uh, you need cheap labor in the NBA when you've got a lot of stars, that could be Deuce. I think he's really changed my opinion as him as a player and as him as a uh, just as a moving piece. I think I feel like it's far more likely he stays now, but that of course depends on the deadline. So you can ask me again, 23 days. Ian Shaw, does a Quentin Grimes trade end the era of continuous soup for the Knicks? Are there examples of teams drafting, developing young talent and flipping it for more? It does not end that because again, Deuce McBride could always be continuous soup. I mentioned AJ Griffin acquiring him could be continuous soup. The Knicks trading into a draft. Not this one, right? But like, let's say they needed you know, to trade up in some capacity or trade into the draft, which they did before. They traded into the 2022 draft for Jalen Duran and then flipped him to the Pistons. They absolutely could do all of this. So there are other avenues to getting continuous soup. There are uh, exceptions, right? Like the salary, the CBA makes it harder to add talent using MLE and non-tax and tax and all that stuff, but it's still an avenue. So it's not like continuous soup stops. The tricky part is when you run out of ways to maximize the continuous soup. And that's where the benefit of, you know, the Knicks trading Obi into cap space as opposed to for expiring salary that they just let go away, right? That would be a missed opportunity. That would be a sunk cost and it's problematic. So continuous soup is here to stay. It's especially here to stay if you have the right forward thinking people who actually know to think ahead. You know, you need that money later, get that money now or in the near future. So it's not going to end. It should continue. JM, uh, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. If we're going to give up value to trade for an offensive creator, why not give Fournier a try for three weeks? Keep him and OG together on the floor. Well, because Evan Fournier is not really an offensive court, uh, creator. He, We've seen what he does. We've seen the role also that he plays in a Tibbs system, which is very much off-ball, less creation than he's done before, which has also not been a ton of creation either. He's a secondary ball handler who essentially gets pigeonholed into more of a catch-and-shoot position. And the bloom is off the rose. We know what Fournier can give us. There's not a whole lot that works based on what the Knicks need from him and what he's going to give us. So given that, it's just... I think you could also make an argument that would actively hurt the Knicks, especially because he's barely played. And now we're expecting him for three weeks to be good. And what is for a try, you know, like we know what he is, the cat's out of the bag. It's not something that also works in this or with this team. So I don't think it will happen. And I don't think it should happen either. I just get someone who can fill the role that you need them to fill. And that's just not who Evan Forney is, but thank you, Jay. Shant Amadeus, what do you think about trying to bring Sexton in to run our second unit? Wouldn't cost much. My biggest concern with Sexton, again, is the salary component for you can't flip him for a star without adding a ton of other salary this year, and you can't do it next year. So you have to bring other money in. How are you bringing other money in? At what point are you just bringing in money, but it's not good money? Teams don't want to take back bad money in a star trade. 
not enough just check the boxes. Sexton's good. I think that he adds value to what the Knicks want. We talked a little bit about him briefly in the cap or no cap, but ultimately I don't think that he is enough for the front office to want. I think there's a little bit left to be desired there. And the contract part just makes it a lot harder for them. And they just have to get a lot more creative in a very small window of time. And yes, they can make a trade on draft night, but then you have the aggregation part of it. So I just don't see Sexton being that guy if he holds them back from higher aspirations. The Jazz, yes, as you mentioned, Andrew, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be sellers. They might want to be buyers. They might say screw it about their first round pick. This was literally what I was what I messaged Jeremy, and I didn't know if he was he saw it or not. Uh, the Jazz are fourteen and four in their last eighteen games since the Knicks played them. Their season has turned around, and one thing that's coincided with this turnaround is Colin Sexton is their starter now. He's taken Jordan Clarkson's spot in the rotation, uh, the starting rotation. So uh, I, I think, as Jeremy said, Sexton would be a great addition. I don't know if he's available at the moment, especially if the Jazz are interested in any type of uh, playoff or play in contention this year. Well, I guess the difference there would be it would in this view, if you're saying, well, they're not going to be sellers, then it would probably be something like Grimes and Fournier involving sex. And, and then if you have to bridge the gap financially, which I don't know off the top of my head, if you do, I don't think you do. Like that's a way of saying, well, what we lost in sex and we're gaining in Grimes. We need 20 second in defense. We can address it that way. We still got Clarkson. We can still, uh, we can run Chris Dunn out there instead. Obviously, Chris Dunn's not better than Colin Sexton, but they're trade-offs that you take either way. So if they feel it's a lateral move where they're, there's high upside there, but they're not quite selling, then maybe they'd be interested. I just don't think the Knicks want Sexton, the player, for more financial reasons than anything. Do you think the Jazz would look at that as a lateral move? Look, Sexton's good. I'm not as high on Sexton as a lot of other people. And I say this knowing that Grimes has struggled on the offensive end. He's not going to be a creator. But when I look at what he can do defensively for that type of team that really needs that two guard who can just let Laurie Market and Cook shoot that thing and kind of bring their defense a little bit more together, especially as some of their younger players get their feet out from underneath them. I think that's super important. You know, I, I, what I don't want to say is that Sexton's more high calorie because I, I don't think he's quite that. But I don't know if he's also redundant for them. Like, do they really need multiple guys earning eighteen plus million dollars this year, running the point when they could have someone who can do different things that they actually need? It's the same way of, well, not same, but it's similar to like, oh, the Knicks have IQ. Well, they also have Brunson, and they need. Someone like OG. So I wouldn't, I would call it the Knicks and the Raptors did a lateral move, but I think there's upside for both of them. So that, that's kind of how I view it here. Okay. I'm just in the 18 games he started, he's averaging 22 a game on 50, 40, 90. They're like I said, they're yeah. 14 and four. And like I just, he's got a 27 usage. Like he's honestly one of their primary guys now. So I don't know if trading for what they might view as a bench piece. Mm-hmm in Quentin Grimes is lateral. I think it would be Danny Ainge just prioritizing the future over anything that could happen this season. I'd gather they'd start Grimes, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Sexton's Even if they really did, well. Grimes has never yeah. had a 27 usage. Of course, but that's also not what they're training. Like, again, it, it goes into the high usage. Does it necessarily correlate with talent? In this case, he's playing really well and a high usage, but it could also be, hey, if we remove like RJ, high usage, right? OG, not high usage. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like, well, comparing one to the other. It's They're just players who have different roles and the, the requirements that are asked. I'm not you know saying I'm in a vacuum. Because the I, RJ, Ryan. high usage was also not high productivity like in the way right. that Sexton was. Yeah. And this isn't me saying like, oh, Sexton and Grimes, fair trade, wipe your hands, clean and go. It's just a different way of how you evaluate them, how they meet your needs and going in that direction. Listen, we're like... We're like six or seven more games away from of this, I should say, from Sexton's to this conversation we just had looking somewhat silly because he's played them into a seven seed. I understand yeah. it's a marketing team, but that's that's at least that in my view, that's how good he's been. All right, we've got five left, and then okay. there's a doozy that I want to wrap up on for you that I think you're gonna enjoy. Okay. All right, I appreciate so. the suspense. 
Joseph Brennan, thank you for the Super Chat contribution here. This all depends on if this team wants to be as good or better than last year. Knicks needed the best two weeks of RJ's career last year. I don't see anyone currently who can give you that in May. I mean, this would imply that RJ had a better playoff series than Jalen Brunson. And if that's the case, I respectfully but strongly disagree. RJ played well. He had excellent games. There were also games like the one of 10 in game six that hurt the Knicks. And now that, of course, that was the one that hurt the most, but there were some others that were just kind of nondescript. I don't say that to put RJ down. I say he played really well in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. But there's also something to be said of as good of his playmaking going downhill and passing out of drives as RJ was. And he was very good at those things. The shooting was still not there. And what the Knicks have been doing is they've found players like OG, like DiVincenzo, who can really take those corner shots. They can hit above the break threes. They're one of the better shooting teams compared to where they were before. I mean, again, Randall is not helping that case, but they're changing what they look like on offense. It's why I also would gather whatever player they get to fill that primary uh, ball handling position on the back. That would, or the backcourt, that would be someone who can also shoot off the catch decently or better. Uh, McBride is shooting near 48% or something from three. Again, we're talking about creation here and I get it. And Randall not playing up to his all NBA talent or anywhere even near there in the playoffs last year, probably put a damper on it. And is maybe a reason why Joseph, you're thinking that no one else can replicate that, but I'd still point to Julius Randall and what he has done in the regular season. And maybe that's not quite the selling point for you of, well, he's not going to do it in the playoffs or he can do it in the playoffs. But if we're talking about players who can replicate RJ's impact, I mean, I I look at Randall. I look at someone where he needs to, he needs the Knicks are depending on him to do it. Uh, so that would be the hope. But RJ overall, very good playoffs. I, I just think that based on how RJ was this, this season uh, after the migraine and how he was last season, and how he's been for a lot of his career in terms of the efficiency that it hasn't quite lined up right in the way that it, like, things changed, but the efficiency part of it wasn't significantly different, but that's okay because he did other things that he hadn't done before that impacted winning. And so I would hope that the Knicks adding better perimeter shooting around Brunson and Randall this offseason and this season, which they've done already, would speak volumes to what they can do in terms of how they can get better. Especially because Brunson's grown as a player. I mean, he was a very good player, should have been an all-star last year. This year, he should be an all-star. There's an argument that he should be all-NBA. So him taking a leap in and of itself should hopefully elevate the team there. I, I have a hard time seeing the Knicks hitting the ultimate ceiling here of winning a championship or making the finals. And if they get it right, they can make the Eastern conference finals. But then we're talking about a team, maybe hopefully that reaches the second round. And you know, then what's the argument? They, they didn't improve. They didn't do anything when we know that they did. And this is not to you, Joseph. This is more just me pontificating. So I get it, but that's like, that's why Julius Randall needs to show out. That's why they need to bring in another primary ball handle. That's why Jalen Brunson has gotten better. It's why they're gelling as a team offensively. And defense turns to offense. Having a really strong defense, which is, again, why moving Grimes, even in a lesser role, I'd have to see what the return is. But having Mitchell Robinson back, for example, I mean, that would be huge. Think about what that could do to transform defense into offense and transition. So that's that's kind of how I see it. But thank you. Frank Sound, Jeremy, can Achua get traded now? Thanks. Precious Achua can be traded. He just can't be aggregated with any other salary. So he could be moved for uh, 1v1, 1v2. He could be moved for 1v0. Uh, he could really just be moved separately. Just can't be moved with any of the players. But there's no stipulation that Achua cannot be moved. And uh, candidly, I would be very much in favor of moving Achua when the time is right. It's just a matter of can you survive any gap in time between Mitchell Robinson coming back and the deadline or the deadline and Mitchell Robinson coming back because Achua just from the moment he stepped foot here was not their type of center. 
And uh, I know there was some thought of like, oh, you know, maybe this is a new look. They could try different things. It's just not who he is. It's not what they want. It's not what they're looking for. And he's just. It's almost like the games where he has strong, positive impacts. I feel like they've lost and the games where he hasn't had good impacts. They've won. Maybe I'm just generalizing that. But the Achua experience is just that an experience. And I just I think that that was really kind of like the cost of doing business, taking on his money and seeing what goes from there. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hamdi M. Wow, thank you, Hamdi, for the very generous Super Chat contribution. So if you walked in the room with the whiteboard that has the Knicks plan, where would Do Nothing For Now be? Higher or lower than a Murray trade or a bench player trade? Does the ceiling change much with a trade now? So if the plan were do nothing for now, the first thing that I would do, I mean, I wouldn't do nothing because nothing could hurt them down the line because they would have to give up too much. The salary to get someone like Embiid, even if you did Fournier and Grimes and Mitch, right? Like that's not, that doesn't get you to the minimum amount that you need. And then you're stacking what other salary or salaries to get you there. It's a lot. So if I were to look at this and say, the Knicks aren't going to do anything, I would look at the Obi top and trade a player exception. And I would look around the league and say, who can we find that financially would get us to where we would need to be, where if we had to bring back Fournier, because letting him walk doesn't help us because we don't get cap space and accepting his team option does help us, but really if we trade him, otherwise there's not much value there. So I would, if if there are no other significant moves, it's just taking on more salary, like however much it would need to be into next year. No one is an expiring contract on an expiring contract. Someone who signed under contract next season. That's what I would do if the plan were be nothing. Um, but I mean, it would be, it would be more in the, the bench player vibe, right? Like it would have to be. And I don't think the ceiling changes much with a trade now, but the floor elevates itself. And maybe the floor raises itself well enough that your ceiling actually does get impacted. Like I don't think Brogdon is changing the ceiling of this team. In fact, I'm pretty confident that he doesn't, but he'll definitely impact the floor. And does he impact the floor enough that actually it pushes you higher than you thought you might go? Maybe so. So I wouldn't do nothing. I, to be very clear, I would absolutely find a primary ball handler. I really would like Brogdon because of the, um, you know, kills two birds with one stone with the positioning uh, and a player who is really good off the catch and shoot. And also the salary that kind of gets you to where you need to be. But that also could change depending on if they move Grimes beforehand. Maybe not. Um, But Hamdi, thank you very much for the question. And thank you for the super chat. Keenan Andrews, thank you for the super chat. What do you think about Bowens Highland? Uh, Sam of the Strickland made a really funny tweet not too long ago where he said, I don't want Doodle Bob quickly. If you watch SpongeBob, then you'll get it. Uh, yeah, and I think that was a very apt thing. Bowens Highland, I would look at it this way Mike Malone coached the Denver Nuggets. Tom Thibodeau, they're cut from a very similar cloth. Right, They were assistants together way back when for the late 90s Knicks. They know what it's like to be successful. Is that, does that mean they're infallible? God, no, absolutely not. But like, yes, does having talent help you if you're a head coach? 100%. Mike Malone's also a really talented head coach and he 
happens to have one of, if not the best player in the NBA, Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets turning someone like Bones Highland, flipping him to the Clippers and winning the NBA Finals. I'm not going to say that's causation because that's just not fair to Bones. But I will say, I think that Bones's struggles, his inability to come to grips with maybe the role that he's in and the lack of defense just don't really help a Knicks team that has a very similar mindset. So I don't think that it's, it's kind of like if he doesn't pass the school of hard knocks with Mike Malone, does that mean that he can't prosper in New York? No, but I'm also pretty leery about it because what noise is he, is he making a lot of noise with the Clippers? If he were, is that the sort of player that they would really want to trade considering that they themselves have been so good since they finally got Russell Westbrook out of the starting lineup. So I don't think that he makes sense and he definitely doesn't advance the plot this summer. If the Knicks are looking for that superstar, his salary is so minimal. It just doesn't help them there. So I get the thought. I just don't see it helping them, unfortunately, but thank you for the question. Equals peace. Thank you very much for the super chat. You need a legit second score to help Jalen come playoff time. Julius cannot be counted on. DeJounte will show up when the lights are the brightest. We should do that trade. Well, how do we know? How do we know that DeJounte Murray will show up when the lights are brightest? I mean, I just feel like it's it's very easy to assume that. I'm legitimately a little skeptical. Um, you know, I mean, like, I just, I, I understand he played well in the five games last season that the, the Hawks had, but they lost. I'm not saying he's the reason they lost. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's just like to assume that he will show up and also not necessarily for the right reasons. Like, yes, he can, he can do a whole lot, but maybe he doesn't fit the exact style of what this team does. Right. Like I get if if you're skeptical about Julius, I totally understand it. I think the first year he had no help and last year he was injured and you could say those are excuses and maybe they are, but also I think they're valid excuses if we want to still call them excuses. And so this year I'm so curious what he'll do, but it's hard to find playoff performers who are also super consistent. Uh, it's, it's really not easy to do. So, uh, I don't know if he will show up when the lights are at their brightest. I think he did admirably last year. I I don't feel confident saying that he's that type of person. I get it if you feel they should do the trade. Again, I've talked about the reasons why he makes sense as a contract and what he can give you on the offensive end. Um, but is that player going to fit the clear designated role that you want him to fit into? That's asking a lot. It's also asking a lot if your whole premise to clutch is, hey, you know this star that we're trading for that we may not put in the best position to succeed? Uh, well, we want to flip him to a place that's you know, not necessarily his choice. That's kind of how I see it. So I get it. Here you're coming from. They do need more scoring help, but that's that's like this is where Randall makes his his bread. This is where they need him. And this will be the ultimate litmus test between. Can we keep going with Randall in any capacity or is just, just, are we done? It's just not going to work here. So we'll find out this summer, but thank you for the super chat. So I want to say thank you to everybody that sent in, whether it be a super chat or a non super chat. The questions tonight have been outstanding. There's one more comment as I am somewhat adjusting the end of the show with some breaking news, uh, read the comment that's on the screen and then I'll, I'll break the news to everybody with what just came. Uh, congrats on the Cowboys and Eagles, by the way, from Hamdi M. Yeah, that was it was a nice 24 hours. Very, very fun. I mean, what more could you want? Just as a as a football fan, but as a Giants fan, loved it. It was the best. As someone who hates Philadelphia, I enjoyed last night. As someone who likes to laugh at the Cowboys, I enjoyed Sunday. As someone who recognizes his place in the world as a Jets fan, I enjoyed the Lions because that is like a story of a team that and a fan base that has not seen a lot of winning. So they're my team for the rest of the playoffs. All right, we have some breaking news. It's not 
an official trade, but Sham Sharania of The Athletic is reporting a developing story that the Raptors and Pacers are in active talks on a trade centered on two-time All-Star Pascal Siakam for a package that includes three first-round picks. And wow. The, he's reporting that with Sam Amick. Uh, the yeah. first paragraph of the article, which is, again, on The Athletic, you should check it out now, uh, is that the package includes Bruce Brown, other salaries, and three first-round picks to the uh, Toronto Raptors. The Raptors have been engaged in discussions with several teams on potential Siakam deal, but conversations with the Pacers have gained steam in recent days, those sources say. So we'll see as as we're live um, if this materializes. But your thoughts, Jeremy? My thoughts without knowing any other details. Uh, Well, the Pacers have two picks this year, their own and likely the OKC pick. I'd be very curious if I mean, at least one of those three picks has to be protected. My hunch is that the Raptors don't have a pick this year if they don't finish in the bottom six. And maybe they do. And even if they do, then what's better than one? Two. Two first-round picks. So I guess they go with a pick this year. Now, what they could do, if they wanted to, right? They could do the Pacers pick this year. The I'm sorry, excuse me, let me rephrase. They could do the Thunder pick that the Pacers own this year. They could do the Pacers pick next year, and they could do 2027 first. Maybe that's protected as well. There just have to be some sort of protections. This this always made more sense to me than the Pacers getting Ananobi because outside of Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers have very little creation. Like Bruce Brown was not a great option. Bruce Brown was hey, we're going to give you a lot of money because the new CBA dictates that we have to hit a certain threshold of pay. And it's a one-year deal. And it's a team option on the second year. And Bruce Brown's not going to make 22 and a half or however much money it is next year. Did you say Heald was the other player? No, they just or said no. Bruce Brown and Sorry. other salary. Other salary. Okay, well, other salary. I mean, that sounds like Heald to me. Just Can I ask at- two questions? Yes, please do. Do you think they flip Bruce Brown in Toronto? I understand it can't be aggregated, but do you yeah. think they're looking to strip down salary? Or do you think they wait, they, they keep them and try to get uh, from talking to Esparahini, he's like, they want the pick to convert this year because their pick is top six protected to the Spurs. Mm-hmm. They wanted to convert this year. Yes. So maybe they keep Brown to try and avoid that top six. And then the offseason, he's traded. So the first question is, what do you think? What do you think? It depends how much the Raptors want cap space next year if they don't want cap space then maybe they want to trade bruce brown for like is it bruce brown for delo in the sense of i mean obviously it'd be some sweetener but like in the sense of is that something that works for them because they don't but i don't think that they would want that i think ultimately they would just rather clear the books with brown but if they can turn bruce brown into something better than what they have then uh yeah like Sure, if that helps them down the line. If I were the Raptors, I'd probably just hang on to Brown and decline his team option, though. Grimes and Fournier for Brown doesn't work money-wise, right? Uh, no, Not it, that he'd even do that, but it like, does it, so it would? So yeah, then my it actually leads into my last question. Sure. So if Obi's in the deal from Indiana to Toronto, so Obi reunites with RJ and IQ, yes. and then the Knicks trade Grimes... And Fournier for Bruce Brown setting up Grimes, IQ, RJ, and Obi. Do we just start Raptors Film School? Obi, excuse me, those are the last ones. Do we just, just add in a, in, a, in a Canadian branch to KFS? Like, hey, we're going to watch the Raptors tonight because all your favorite players now play for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, let's get Esperini. Let's get him out here. Let's Why not? Run it. You know, we, you can run a, you know what? a global Absolutely. operation. Yeah, I yeah. think so. That's the first step uh, toward taking over the world, Pinky. I guess maybe yeah, because no, your brain. I'm pinky here. That that's that's where that's going. Take it, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was yeah. Okay, well they're they're finally doing it, ripping the bandaid off. And uh, to the question about hey, why don't the Knicks try to get Siakam? That was earlier. I appreciate the question. Unfortunately, it seems that that is off the table now. And on that note, hold on. Uh, I got to do the thank you. There you go. Oh, perfect. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight uh, on a Tuesday night, Eastern Standard Time. Really appreciate it. Please like this video and subscribe to our channel uh, if you haven't already. We've got some other really exciting contact content. We've got a Rockets game tomorrow. So, Andrew, I gather we you you have a pregame that will be pregame pod horizon. coming out. It's being recorded in about an hour. Nice. Get merch. Yes. We also have merch. merch Go get your merch. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff there. We're always adding things to the store. Always fun ways to interact with the brand. And uh, yeah, please leave a five-star review. It certainly helps us. And we always love doing this. I mean, we'll, we'll do it once more before the trade deadline. We've got other trade deadline stuff in the works. You know, we usually do a live stream the day of. I am almost positive because, of course, they would that the Knicks are going to absolutely make a trade before the deadline. And uh, selfishly, I kind of hope they do. But if I'm traveling for work, I really hope they don't. So whatever fits with my schedule, that'd be really awesome, Leon. Thank you for for that. That's um, the bigger hope that whatever they do, it fits our schedule <laughs> more than anything the, else. Specifically, Jeremy's thing, because you're a jet setter now. So the yes, the worst thing imaginable to me is that I get an alert on my phone about a trade before I take a flight, mm. and the next like the flights I'm going to be taking for the most part. Four and a half, five hours. So uh, really just don't want to have to deal with that. And then I'm like hyperventilating on a plane. Like I got to record and I, I can't even do that <laughs> because I'm on a plane. So yeah, just timing would be appreciated. Leon, well, thank you. Well, if it's anything like the OG live stream, we'll be recording. We'll be live when you land, uh, yeah. Jeremy. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> All right. You can sign off officially. All right. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. As always, another episode of uh, Capitals, Everything Around Me, Cream. Get the money, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Means a lot to have this built-in audience that this whole team has cultivated. So uh, we'll do this again, like I said. Excited for the next time that we do it, too. Until then, stay safe. Stay warm. Uh, Let's try to pull out a three-in-one week so I can gloat to John again because I feel really good doing that. Especially because the Knicks are winning. Primarily because the Knicks are winning. But also a little bit because it's fun. So thank you all. Enjoy yourselves. Peace. Peace.